All right, if you would please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. And today we're going to begin reading in verse number 9. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, to prove Him over and over. I think it fits nicely with what we're learning because we've been talking about how the Lord teaches us to pray, and it's not a, once, uh, it's not a once-off lesson in life, is it? It's not just something you take a few courses over a month and then you've learned how to pray. You prove Him over and over and over. Luke 11 and verse number 9. Luke 11 and verse 9. This is part 3 in this mini-series, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Today we're going to be talking about the personality of God in prayer and how His nature makes all the difference in understanding how prayer works. Verse 9, Jesus says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, I like how Jesus just assumes that of humanity, He's talking to his own disciples here, right? Teach us to pray. All right, well, let's just uh, take for granted that you're evil. (laughs) If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Can you see in verse 13 how Jesus is drawing on how we should know the nature of of a father to his son. By the way, dads, moms as well, please understand how fundamentally important it is that you give your children that proper understanding of what a loving father looks like, what a loving parent looks like, so that they can take from that, take it up a notch to see how much more their heavenly father will take care of them. But you see the personality, the nature of God is eventually the focus of this lesson On prayer. So if you would, uh, please bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, help us now as we enter into the scripture. Father, you, you just said it here. We just read these words, these eternal, inspired, preserved words that if we ask, you'll give the Holy Spirit. That's what we're asking, Father. You know what we need to hear. And Lord, I pray you'd put the right things in my mouth, help me to say it correctly, but at the end of the day, Father, you, please, you work in our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Just in, for a quick recap, verses 1 down to 4, the first uh, le- lesson that we had about teach us to pray, it had to do with important points. Jesus gave a broad and general overview of things that should be discussed in prayer, and it's often what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. You can get a lot of mileage out of that. There's a lot of things that you should talk with uh, about, or about, let's say, talk with the Father about those things. And then verses 5 to 8, last time we talked about persistence. When we knock at the door of prayer, at the, 
at the throne of grace. We are knocking at the door of a benevolent, kind, patient friend who is listening. And beyond listening, he's considering and he is mindful of all of our knocking. He's interested in it. Our knocking moves the heart of God. And if I can just emphasize this point to you, our knocking makes a difference. If there's anything you walk away from verses 5 to 8 having learned is that our knocking does make a difference. Persistence is profitable. Today, we're talking about the personality of God in prayer, but as we move through verses 9 to 13, there are some As always, there are a few other things that we learn along the way. So verses 9 and 10, I want to focus in here. Number one, point number one, prayer is a process. Prayer is a process. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Notice it doesn't stop there. You don't just submit the request, walk away and say, I've asked, that ought to do it. I remember right after I got saved... I started talking about the Lord Jesus in the office where I worked. And it was a massive company, thousands of employees. And there was a gentleman there who was a manager over some other division, but he also was a Christian. I didn't know that until I said something about the Lord. And then all of a sudden, oh, hey, me too. But he, he started trying to share various ideas of what he thought prayer was like and what he thought the Holy Spirit was like and kind of was a little dodgy, to be honest. But he said, it's a sin to mention something to the Lord more than once. After you have said it once, that's enough. Because if you've asked, God will never forget what you've asked. To say it again is to pretend as if God is forgetful. So to say it once is enough. That completely undermines what we're learning here. You ask, but then there's more to it. Prayer is a process. We ask, and then often we do not see an immediate response. Can I get an amen on that? (laughs) All right. We, We ask, and then we don't see anything happening. You know what happens next? Then you look into the matter. That's the seeking. Ask, and it shall be given. Okay, I've asked. I know, listen, there's some faith here. I know something's going to happen as a result of this prayer but I'm not sure why nothing's happening. So let me look into this. Prayer's a process. Prayer works, but it takes work. Prayer works, but prayer takes work. So you ask, okay, this is gonna, this is gonna work, but boy, what's, what's going on? Then you seek, you start looking into it, you do your homework, Did I ask the right way? Was I asking for the right thing? And then you get bounced around here to there. Eventually you you end up, okay, this is where I believe God wants me to focus. And then you just stand there knocking, knocking, saying, God, uh, as best I can tell, this is where I need to be. And then you just stand there wearing out your spiritual arm. And it's process. It's process. I'm going to tie the parable from last week into this. The friend asked for bread. Remember friend A? Friend B, friend C is the benevolent friend. Friend B is the intercessor. Friend A is that beggar. I'm forgive me, the 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 beleaguered, the one that is in need. 
The friend asked for bread. The response was what? We're in bed. Okay, he asked. And, and, and then maybe he went around the other side and starts tapping on the window. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, sorry, man. I, I, this, is a, this is a big deal. Please. And the guy said, hey, man, go away. We're, we're trying to sleep. Don't wake my family up. Okay, what am I going to do? And he's seeking for a way to, to get this to work. So he writes a note, slips it under the door. <laughs> Check out the note. You know, he's, he's trying everything. He opens the note, please. <laughs> he's looking for a way to make it work. And, and then what does he do? He ends up saying, I've tried everything else. I don't know what else I can do. So I'm just going to stand here and keep knocking and say, please. I, I don't know what else I can try. I, I don't know where else I could go. You're the only one that can help me. You're the only one that cares enough about me to even put up with this, but please. And, and it's process. It's process. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 5, the Bible says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. It takes work to get that water out of the well. How deep is the well of God? Beyond imaginable. You, you cannot imagine how, how, depth, how much depth there is to his riches and wisdom and knowledge and care and love and etc. But it's going to take some work to get that water out of that well. You can't just go to the well and say, Father, like a, like a bucket of water. No. You got to go look for a bucket. <laughs> there, there's a process. When we arrived in Malawi in 2002... I did not know, forgive me, this is going to sound so silly now, I don't know how I didn't know this. I didn't know you needed a visa to get into a foreign country. I didn't know. Yeah, isn't that silly? I didn't know. I showed up with, I had sold everything that we owned in, in America. I put my family on a plane and we get to Malawi and I walk up to the immigration desk in the airport and I thought, what you do is you just ask. I didn't know it was a process. I didn't know home affairs and immigration was a process. I didn't. Like a lot of people don't know, prayer is more than just asking. I walked up to the desk and the, the guy said, papers, I handed him the papers. What do you hear for? I said, I'm, I'm a missionary. I, I'm, I'm moving here. He said, uh, for how long? I said, for the rest of my life. He said, ah. But, but where are the papers? I said, I, what, what papers do you need, sir? He said, uh, what organization? I said, I, I'm here to start my own church. There is no, I have no sponsor or anything. He said, he, he looked at me like, <laughs> like I was from another planet. He thought, you, you really thought you could just walk in and say, please give me a permanent visa? <laughs> That's what I thought. And then he explained the process to me, and I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? He says, you have 30 days. Boom. And I thought, <laughs> the process thus begins. As soon as I get into town, I start asking around. You know what I start doing? Seeking. Now that I've asked, and I found out the answer is no, you can't have a permanent visa just because you flew here. <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> I didn't know. You know how many people become Christians, go to God, start asking things, and they don't know how it goes. They just figure, well, I mean, I'm asking for something good. I'm here to do something good. Why don't you say yes? There's a, it's a lot deeper than you think. So you start seeking. I start asking around. I go to this missionary and that missionary. I didn't even know these guys, but I, 
just, you know, I called around. They said, well, that missionary ought to know. So I went over to this guy and he was actually from South Africa. He'd been a pastor in Malawi for a little while, gave it up and became a businessman. And he said, here's how the process goes. He said, you got to go register an organization, hire a lawyer, go through a bunch of paperwork. And then after the business or the organization is registered, you can go to home affairs and apply for a visa. I said, oh, so how long does it take to, or, to uh, register a business? He said, about six months. I said, oh. And then how long does it take after that? Once you have the organization registered, you go to home affairs, how long? He said, anywhere from three to four years. I said, well, I have 30 days. <laughs> so I went around and I asked other missionaries. I, I was seeking. What's the promise in verse 9 and 10? Everyone, verse 10, everyone that asketh, get, what happens? It's going to work but it's, it's going to take some work. So now I'm asking, what do I do? What do I do? I finally, long story short, I get the lawyer. I've never visited a lawyer. never spoken to a lawyer. Got a lawyer, went to Blantyre, submitted the paperwork, praised the Lord. Within a couple of months, the organization was registered. By this point, point I've gone to immigration and I've explained to them how silly I am. And the guy had mercy on me. He said, I'll give you an extra 60 days. Now I have 90 days. But this process is supposed to take up to four years. The organization is registered. I run down to immigration the same day and I said, please, uh, can I apply? They said, yeah, but your visa is going to run out here shortly. I said, what can I do? Please, I'm begging. They said, you can pay for a temporary residency six months, but that's as long as you can stay after that, you have to leave Malawi. So, well, then that's what we got to do. So I paid for that, signed the papers, off we go. Now I, in all, right, in total, I have nine months from the day I got there to finish the process. You know what I'm doing from that point on? I submitted to Home Affairs. I'm, I'm bouncing around, going everywhere. How do I get the paperwork that I need? Finally, the, the final approval that I needed, I, I was up to eight months and two weeks. I had two more weeks to go. I'm asking everybody, do you know a guy? Do you know somebody, anybody that can give me advice? One of my church members knew a judge in town, the Honorable Esme Chombo. He spoke to her and Mrs. Chombo said, ah, oh, your pastor should do this and this and this. She sent me to the Minister of Justice's office. And after a few minutes, the secretary walked me to the minister's office and there I was knocking. <laughs> and the minister sat me down and I said, Mrs. Esme Chombo sent me. He said, oh, you know Mrs. Chombo. Hey, okay, okay. You, you see, you don't go in your name. You, you go in somebody else's name. Good lesson in that. So I'm not here because I'm anything special, but the Honorable Chombo sent me. Okay. He said, all right, uh, don't worry, Pastor, don't worry. And he asked for nothing under the table. He just knew which clerk to go to to get my papers on the top of the stack. He said, I'm going to do you a favor. You know what God often does for us? It's called, it's called grace. We look at it as a favor. But that, that's what grace is, is God's doing you a favor. You didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that help. But I had a lot of people all over the world by that point praying for a minor miracle, what should take four years. I needed it to take less than nine months. About a week later, those papers arrived in my hand, stamped, sealed, approved, bam, able to go back to immigration and get two-year visas and renewable, and on it went. 
But, but I learned something there. And, and really, there's a physical and a spiritual lesson in this. I asked. I had to seek advice. I kept knocking on different office doors. Can you help? Can you offer advice? Can you tell me where to go next? That was what I was doing in the physical realm. But at the same time, in my prayer closet, I'm asking God, please provide. I'm asking God, listen to this, where should I go next? What should I do? Are you hearing me on that? What should I do? Am I not? Perhaps this is taking longer than it should because I'm not doing, I'm not putting feet to my prayers. And then I'm going to keep knocking and saying, God, I'm trying this. I'm trying that. I'm doing all that in the prayer closet while out in, let's call it the real world. I'm also asking, seeking and knocking. Prayer is a process. Don't expect it to take just a few seconds. Don't just think that you can ask and now it's done. But make sure when you do it, that you do it in faith, knowing this is going to work. But I'm ready to do the work. Prayer is a process. Number two, prayer provides. Now, I'm I'm saying this in short. Prayer provides. I'm going to expand on that now. In verses 9 and 10, let's take a look at this. Ask, in verse 9, ask and what shall be given you? It. What's it? It is it. You say, well, it is what I asked for. That's not what it says. <laughs> Doesn't say that. It didn't say ask and whatever you ask for shall be given. Doesn't say that. Ask. Now, now, sometimes that is the way it works. But prayer provides much more than what you ask. Let's, let's go a little deeper. Seek, you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. What's it? This is a, 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 a pronoun. We need a noun to go with it. Is that right? We, we need that antecedent for you grammar folks. We need a noun, and then the pronoun stands in the place of that proper noun. Well, verse 8. You see, these are pronouns in verse 9 and 10. So let's look in verse 8. Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he asked for. Is that what it said? Is that what it said, folks? You got your Bible open? You're looking at the end of verse 8. That's not what it said. It said he'll give him as many as he needeth. Aha. Uh-huh. That's it. That's it. He'll give him what he needs. And that, in my experience, is often very different than what you asked for. We know not what to pray for as we are. Jesus said, when you enter the prayer closet, you need to know that your father already knows what you have need of. When you enter the prayer closet, who knows what you have need of? The father. Jesus didn't say, you know. (laughs) He said, when you enter in, there's one person that knows, and it's not you. (laughs) The father knows. Prayer provides. Not necessarily what you ask for, but it provides what you need. Now, we're going to take it a step further. Verse 11 and 12, there's an illustration. And what an illustration. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Never. 
Now, now we're taking the obviously the general idea here, the barring some strange, mean, extraordinary dad who would just be cruel. The average guy would never treat his son like this. Let me sum it up by saying this. And you can see the bread, the fish, the egg. The father would never return than a stone, a serpent, a scorpion. The father, the heaven, our heavenly father will never give you anything that will hurt you. In response to what you ask for. I got to be careful to qualify that. It does not say in the passage that if the boy asks for bread, he gets bread. It doesn't say that. It didn't say if he asks for fish, he gets fish. Dads, help me out. Please, all dads, look this way now. Dads, do you think it's good fatherhood every time your boy asks you something to say yes? Well, I hope you disagree. I hope you say, no, no, sir, I would never say yes every time my son asks. I hope we're on the same page there. You follow me? Your, your child needs to learn how to hear the word no. And, and parents, let, it, let them start learning at a young age how to deal with rejection. Because life is filled with it, and eventually God's going to have to turn them down on some things. You raise them to be spoiled little brats that pitch a fit every time they hear the word no, that's going to translate to their relationship with God. And when God says no, Booty, you have asked for something you don't need. And the answer is no. Then we take that patiently. Now, this isn't a lesson on parenthood. So let's come back to talking about prayer. He doesn't say you always get bread, fish, or an egg. Prayer provides your needs. If I can, again, expand on that. It is God who is the one providing the needs, but you understand prayer, in this case, is the channel. It is, it is the method by which that need comes down from God. We need to deal with this. We must address it. Does God allow some rocky times in life? Does He allow some stones to come into your life? Does He allow rocky times? Well, sure. Just ask Job. Does he allow some serpents and scorpions to sting and bite and hurt? Ask the Israelites. God tried to take them out of Egypt. And he wanted to get them to the promised land. Remember, they doubted God. They didn't think God's way would work. And then God said, I'm going to have to prove some things to them. They're going to have to learn the hard way. And... There's Moses slapping a rock. And, there, and, and if you read Deuteronomy 8, the whole way through the wilderness was filled with serpents and scorpions. It says those two things. Deuteronomy 8, I think it's verse 13. Serpents and scorpions. Constantly having to duck and dodge those things. But that, that was not, God did not give those things to them in response to a prayer. They didn't say, Father, please give us a fish. And, and, and God said, ha ha, snake. Okay, that... That did happen in their life, but, but that happened because they'd given up on prayer. That happened because they had rebelled against God. So sometimes you need a few stones and serpents and scorpions to get you back where you need to be with God. But Jesus is dealing with a very, can we say, he's shrunk down the issue here. He's, he's talking about one particular case where a son approaches the father 
And in that case, the father, in in that context, in that specific conversation, the father would never, in response to that, give him something that hurts him. He's going to give him as many as he needs. At the end of verse 8, that's what he said. He'll give him as many as he needeth. Did he give him three loaves? Isn't that what he asked for? Isn't that verse 5? Look at the end of verse 5. Lend me three loaves. Lend me three loaves. Did he give him three loaves? It doesn't say it, does it? I don't know. Maybe he did give him three loaves. Maybe that is what he needed. Maybe after hearing this guy knock, maybe that guy had been knocking for so long, he said, dude, you need five loaves. You've got to be hungry after all that knocking. (laughs) That was a lot of work. Here's five loaves. Maybe, right? Maybe. Maybe friend C knows better than you, and you need five loaves, not three. What if he did this? After all that knocking, he brought him a sack of flour, some salt, some yeast, and said, here's the ingredients. You go make the bread. He gave him what he needed. Prayer works, but it takes some work. And sometimes the desired outcome God will get you there, but he's going to take you a different path than you assumed. And he's not just going to hand you the three loaves. He might hand you the ingredients and say, here's everything you need. Now start applying it. Start mixing it up. Put this much of that and that much of this and put it together. And then you just get some heat and get some some fiery trials. And after that thing, and then it'll bake up and be perfect, just what you need. But it'll take a little while. Prayer provides what you need. You need to believe the promises. You need to walk into the prayer closet knowing this is going to work. It just may not work the way I envisioned it. You need to see the bigger picture. Because sometimes we get it in our head that God is there simply to provide. God is so much more than a provider. Fathers, you in your home, aren't you more than just a provider? God is not just there to fill your life with all of the things that you cannot provide for yourself. I talked to a pastor in this town once. He, he sent me a nasty message condemning me and rebuking me for preaching about certain things. And he said, listen, God is there to provide for us. That's what his purpose is. That's it. I said, are you telling me that God is an ATM? He said, yes, why not? Now, right when I say it, all of you, you're like, oh, that's reprehensible. But unfortunately, even though we would never say that, we often kind of treat them like that. When we're asking for bread, fish, and egg, God's looking at a bigger picture saying, now, I could give you that, but there's something you need even more. Yes, you need that. That's why you're asking. Let's not deny that. But there's something much bigger going on here. And God said, God would say, you know, you need bread, but I'm going to give it to you in such a way that draws you closer to me. Because what's the big picture? The reason God put you on this earth is to have a personal relationship with him. And if he can use the bread, the fish, or the egg to somehow draw you closer to him, to teach you something about him, do you see how we're getting closer to the personality of God? God's going to use those small, temporal, earthly matters to get you closer to Him, to know Him better. 
And you've got to know that about prayer, that when I'm asking for this small little favor, God is looking at a bigger picture saying, how can I make that thing fit into this thing? Prayer will provide, but what is the ultimate goal? What is the ultimate thing God's trying to provide? A stronger relationship with Him. For some of us, the only time we become intense, fervent in our prayers is when we are lacking something. Now, now follow me here. If the ultimate goal is for you to get closer to God, and the only time you draw nigh to God is when you need something, aren't you kind of putting yourself in a position of constant need? And I say that to answer maybe some of your questions towards God. God, why doesn't anything ever work out? Everything I try seems to fall apart. Perhaps you're missing the bigger picture. That God, whether you give me bread or not, fish or not, egg or not, the bigger picture is me knowing you better. What if we approached it like this? God, I've asked for bread. You didn't give it to me. So I trust you. You must know that I don't need bread. But God, I really want this. Yeah, I know. But I want you to want me the way you want that. Prayer provides you an opportunity to get to know God better. That's the purpose of prayer. That's what prayer provides. That's what you need. You say, no, no, I need the bread. Oh, you need the bread. You, you need the bread. And then finally, in verse 13, prayer comes with a personal touch. Prayer comes with a personal touch. Prayer is a process. Prayer provides. And it comes with a personal touch. He says in verse 13, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. An evil man would never give hurtful things to his children. An, an evil man wouldn't do that. A sinful, depraved, fallen man. You and I wouldn't do that. How much more shall your heavenly Father we have to now take in, into account the personality or the nature of God. Would God treat me like that? Well, we can start off by saying, would a human father treat his son like that? So take that, take that knowledge, a, a decent, the, we're talking about the average general situation. A father would never do that to his son. Okay, now kick that up a notch, a big notch. How much greater is your heavenly father than our earthly father's? You've got to know God's personality in this and what He desires. You know, God in the Old Testament, He did, and in the New. It's the one thing that Jesus said, go and learn what this means. Do you folks know what that verse is? Go and learn what this meaneth. Do you know the verse that Jesus gave them to go and study? Hosea 6.6, 6, where God, He says, I desire the knowledge of God. More than, he said, I want you to know me. More than I want you to bring sacrifices to the church, to the altar, I want you to know me. God has told you what he wants. His personality is, watch this, he is not a driver for take a lot. God doesn't work for Mr. Delivery. 
Are you with me? Here's what we do. We, 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 we become so desensitized to having personal relationships. We have stronger relationships with our devices than we do with people. How much more, how much deeper, how much more dangerous is that problem? We have a greater relationship with the device than we do with our Heavenly Father. Because we just tap a few things on the device, click finished, pay, proceed to checkout, done, and a few days later, here comes bring, bring, at the gate, I got what I needed, slash wanted, and, and, and we expect our relationship with God to be much like it is with take a lot aptly named take a lot <laughs> but there's n you don't sit there having a long conversation with the take a lot man about how much he loves you and brought you this gift do you i mean you can give him the gospel but you're not going to sit there going thank you mr take a lot for bringing me this package oh you must care about me so much he couldn't care less about you he wants to get paid for doing his job. There's no personal touch to that. God is not interested in just shipping something to you and not having a personal interaction. When it comes to prayer, God is much more interested in the time and effort it takes for you to interact with him than actually giving you what you wanted. God enjoys the time that it took for you to sit down and converse with him. That's what's so special about it. Not the fact that he took the bread and handed it to you. That's the small thing. The personal touch. God is thrilled that you called upon his name and not somebody else's. That you spent time with him instead of trying to figure it out your way. That you took time at his feet to listen in and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I, I, I don't, I've asked what I want, but now I'll sit here and listen and, and I'll seek and I'll wait for the answer. That thrills the heart of God. God wants to be known on a personal level, but knowing Him, again, will take some work. It'll take some time because, listen to this, life is complex. Do we know this? Life is complex. Life is not a yes or no question. I, I, I remember back in the day, I, I think I used this illustration a little bit last week. I don't know what's gotten into my head with these. When I was 13, 14, I start getting interested, you know, in that girl's pretty and that girl's pretty. And, and I, like I mentioned to you, we didn't date. We, we, we would go with somebody. So I'd see a girl and go, okay, I'm a little scared to go talk to her. She's a bit out of my league. So what we would do, this is a bad idea, by the way, young people. Don't waste time on this. Learn from my mistake. We'd write a note. You remember, you older folks, remember before we could send text messages, we had to write it on a piece of paper? And then we would have all these fancy ways to fold the paper. Did you guys do that too? Where you could fold the piece of paper and make it into its own envelope? Man, you were the coolest guy in school if you could make it in an envelope with a little doiky sticking out. Well, <laughs> you were just something special. So I'd write the note, and I'd fold it up real special, you know. And, and as you're going in, in, in between classes, you're walking down the hallway, you see her, and you get all scared, you go, <laughs> and then you run off. 
Oh, man. I know at the judgment, God's going to play that DVD. He's going to go, hey, everybody, watch what Mike did. I, I know it. I know it. Uh, hey, don't, don't worry. After he plays mine, he's going to play yours. <laughs> Your days are coming too, buddy. <laughs> so then every one of us shall give an account. But in that note, it was very simple. Very simple. Will you go with me? Question mark. And underneath that, one box, yes. One box, no. (laughs) And and because I'm a terrified teenager that is afraid of girls, (laughs) I I wouldn't even expect them to give it back to me personally. I'd put my locker number at the bottom, can return to, because we didn't have P.O. boxes in school, can return to locker number. You know, in a locker, it has little breathing vents. They could slip it in the vent. You know, I, I never got one note back. So I, oh, don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> no, no, no. In hindsight, that was a good thing, man. I fear for the girl that would say yes to that. I mean, <laughs> you don't want to date that. So their lack of response, I just took as a no, right? I, I did not seek, I did not knock anymore. I just gave up. I've given you that horribly embarrassing illustration to bring this point out. Life is more complex than a yes or no. Will you go with me? Well, let's talk about that. I don't even know your last name, and I want her to go with me. Let, let's talk. The, the answer sometimes is no, but can I explain? Sometimes the answer is, yes, I'd love to, but let me explain how we're going to do that. It's not just, God, can I have it? God, can you provide? And God just says, okay. And then steps away, and then here comes Mr. Delivery. It doesn't work like that. God says, yes, no, maybe, it might take a while. What he really wants is to talk about it and to explain why he's about to give you what he's going to give you if he's going to give you anything. In Matthew 7, when you read this same type of context where Jesus is talking about prayer, the same verse, it has one change in it. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things, good things to them that ask Him? Now, you've got to be careful there because your definition of good is probably going to be different than God's definition of good. Right? Because when we talk about good things, you've got to start thinking of Romans 8, for all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So it's good, but according to His purpose, not yours. Okay? That was a good point. <laughs> wow! So watch this. In Matthew's gospel, we have, and by the way, Matthew 7, Jesus taught these things at a different time, different occasions. So this is the second time that he's saying this. So when you put the two verses together, what do you have? We being evil would give, 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 give good gifts to our children. Then our heavenly father will give us what? Good things along with the Holy Spirit. You know what? He, he sends the spirit of God down to say, let me explain how to use what I'm giving you. Let me tell you why I gave you something that you didn't ask for. You ordered this and I sent that. Let me explain that. 
let me tell you why this is going on. In every need, in every pain, every frustration, every time your heart breaks, every loss in life, every tear, every victory, every time you make a right decision, every sin that you overcome, every temptation that you resist. You know what God desires? He wants to be right there with you, right there alongside you, telling you, this is how we're going to work this out. You're never alone. I'm right here with you. Just acknowledge me in all your ways and I'll direct your paths. This I know about prayer. I may not know what to ask for, but when I ask, God will give me what I need. What do I need above anything else? The Holy Spirit to comfort and counsel me and say, this is why the answer is yes, no, wait a while, never ask again. God wants to be a part, not just a part. Oh, help me, the Lord, I don't mean to say that. Not just a part. He wants to be an invited member of everything we do. He's not going to force himself into your life. Dads, can, can, can we move back into the illustration of verse, thir- verse 11, 12, 13? How many of you dads would love for your sons to come to you and say, Paul, I want to spend time with you. That make my day. When my kids were younger, we still have, as you know, our 14-year-old now in the house. But when Megan and Caleb still lived here with us, of course, they need dad. They, they don't pay the bills yet. They need me. They, they kind of have to have me in their life because they ain't got a job yet. <laughs> but then they move out. They get jobs. They're, they're on their feet. They're moving on with life. You know what's really special now is, is when I get a call, and it's not because they need money. It's not, because, it's not because they need to complain about something. They just want to talk to Dad. Hey, Dad, what do you think about this? What's your thoughts on that? I can't tell you how special that makes me feel. Because they, they are inviting me to be a part of their life. If me, being evil, wants to be a part of my children's life, how much more does your heavenly Father want you to invite Him to be a part of every single thing you do? You know how He does it? He sends the Holy Spirit to be right there alongside of you and explain all the ups and downs. And how he's going to work it out. And what he expects you to do in those situations. That's what you need. That's what prayer is there to provide. An ongoing conversation between you and your heavenly father. That the Holy Spirit will make sure you understand. I close on this verse and I think you know it so you don't have to turn to it. Likewise also the spirit helpeth our infirmities. 
What's an infirmity? It's a shortcoming. What is our specific shortcoming? In this case, four. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. And everybody right there says, Amen. The Bible doesn't say, because you don't know what to pray for, just give up and don't ask. This is exactly where God wants you to be. In need of Him. This is the perfect position. Don't think you failed because you don't know what to say. That is exactly what God desires for His children. To look up with a loving, caring, trusting heart saying, Father, I know you care. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit also itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you understand what a groaning is? Groaning is, please, you have to remove from your mind all the nonsense that other people tell you about this verse where somehow you're praying in this strange babbling language, blah, 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 that has nothing to do with this. Oh, they're, 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 they're stealing something important from this verse. Groaning is when you, when you deeply care, when you're moved deeply by something, you go, oh. You ever get bad news like that? You say, here is so hard here. Oh, right? Right? And it touches you. You are moved with compassion. You're touched by the feeling of that person's infirmity. And we have a high priest, a great high priest, who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And when we're going through something, and we can't find our way, and we're asking here and seeking here and knocking here, and we won't give up. Up there in heaven, the Holy Spirit's saying, oh. He's not saying, oh, this ding-dong can't get it right. You know what he's saying? He's saying, oh, I so want to help him. Oh, Father, what an opportunity for us to get involved in his life. Oh, Father, please, they're praying. This is our chance to hop in and help and help them know us better. Oh, Father, let's get involved. And he makes intercession for us according to the will of God, which is what the verse after that says. You know what comes after that? For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. The Holy Spirit is just on the edge of his seat waiting for somebody to call out that doesn't even know that well how to pray, but is willing to step in, shut the door and say, Father, I know this is going to work. You just step me through it. Walk me through it. Train me up in the way I should go. Teach me to pray. How do you do it? He gets right down there with you, kneels right next to you and says, let's do it together. That's what he desires more than anything. Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Pianist will come. And as she comes, I'm going to ask you, Anna Marie, if you can find that song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. She's going to play Sweet Hour of Prayer, and I want to give you not an hour, but a few minutes, just, just a minute or two even. We need not take long.
nor do I want to rush the Holy Spirit. He is our comforter. You know, when you dig into that word, you, you know another way to spell that word out, to, to interpret it, to be alongside of us. Jesus said, I, I'm, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be alongside you. That's the comfort. We're not denying this morning that you at times need bread, fish, or an egg. You're never bothering God to bring your needs and requests to Him. But what God desires more than that small thing is a relationship with you. Don't just place your order and then sit back and wait a few days for God to deliver it and then drive off. Ask Him. Seek His face continually. Keep knocking until He gives you as many as you need. Perhaps this morning what you need to do is bow your knee. Say, Father, I'm sorry. I've I've been treating you like an ATM. It's been cold and impersonal. I've gone through the motions. But I've forgotten that you're not a machine. You're, a, you're my heavenly father. We don't have a lot of space, but you can make some space right where you're at. Say, Lord, I, I want to do a better job. God the great honor of acknowledging him in all your ways all of them ask and it shall be given it'll work let's put in the work if you're here today and you've never been born again Perhaps you're asking for God to provide a job or a spouse or money or fix some problem. You need to see the bigger picture. There's a bigger problem than just that money you need or that friend you need or that good health you need. The problem might be with your soul, friend. reason God might not be answering that prayer right away is to bring attention to that bigger problem if you've never been born again today today friend would you humbly cry out and say God I'm, I'm sorry it's always been about me I haven't even stopped to think about what you want God wants you to be born again. He's inviting you into His family. Will you accept? The only way in is through Jesus Christ. If you want to be a child of God, you need to accept the Son of God. 
You've got to take him as the older brother. Would you do that? Just now. Ask for that bread and see how fast he delivers that to you. He'll give you what you need. You need to be saved. He'll give it to you. The Holy Spirit will come. And you'll be born again. Father, how special it is to bring our burdens and worries and cares and anxieties, our victories, our triumphs, our life to you. To think that you're interested in that. That you want to be right there alongside of us. Lord, can we apologize that we don't acknowledge you in all of our ways? Father, I'm sorry that we don't ask, that we don't seek and knock. We try to do so much of it ourselves, Lord. We think we know. We think we know, Lord, but we... We get it wrong so often, Lord, what we need. Show us what we need. Take us deeper into that love, into that relationship with you. Father, as we dismiss, we go about having our, our bri, our feast of charity. We not only ask you bless the food and the fellowship, but Lord, we ask that you would come down and continue to manifest your presence among us. We love you. We thank you for how you've worked on our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.